In our first reading today from the prophet Isaiah, we hear words that should be rather familiar to us in our modern days as Christians. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, share your bread. All these things should immediately come to mind where we would say, I've heard those things before. Those are just some of what we include today on our list of what in the church we call the, the corporal works of mercy. Coupled with that, the, the spiritual works of mercy of instructing the ignorant, consoling the doubtful, etc. All these works of mercy, be the corporal or, or spiritual, I think today it's as true as much it was true in the time of Isaiah to say that our role as God's chosen people, be it the people of Israel in the days of Isaiah or the people of God's church today, our role is that we would be visible and that we would literally do stuff. We are called to be not just people who think a certain way, but people who concretely act a certain way. One of the truths of Jesus' church is that it's, it's visible, it's, it's tangible. That's how come Jesus can tell his disciples, like, if there's a, a dispute, go to the church. It presumes that you could find the church. And I don't, I don't mean just the, the buildings, because long before there were buildings, the apostles and teachers said, go to the church. Literally, we, we talked about this before, the ecclesia, the assembly, the calling together. You should be able to find the church because, well, people ought to act like they're members of Jesus' church. Isaiah is speaking in our first reading today from the time probably just after the, the great Babylonian exile, time when the exiles are allowed to return and very much kind of questioning for themselves, what does it look like now? There's just a, a pitiful remnant that returns from exile, and what do we need to do? What, what do we do to restart Jewish life as God's chosen people? Well, first, they rebuild the temple. So they reconstruct the walls of Jerusalem. They rebuild the temple. So they create visible structure that they can identify with and that other people could see visible, tangible structures. But then Isaiah says, now, more than just buildings, we need to act a certain way. We need to start sharing our bread with the hungry, caring for the stranger, the abandoned. After all, we've been exiles, so let's care for the exiles in our midst. Let's, let's take care of the physical needs of our people and even the alien in our midst. In the early days of the, the church, this especially was noticeable in that people would look at the way the Christians lived and they said, look at how they love each other. You could find the Christians, not from their buildings, but by the way that they lived. And so Isaiah is pointing out very rightly to the, the Israelites as they return from exile, okay, all well and good that people can find us by our, our buildings, by the, the walls and the temple, good. But more than that, they ought to be able to find us by the way that we live, the stuff that we do. I think there's a great kind of debate that goes on in our society today as to what role 
the church should have in society, and especially what role should a Christian play in larger secular society? Do the, the two have anything to do with each other? Where is the overlap? You know, here in the United States, modern kind of evolution of this thinking has developed into, I think, an over-focus on not the principles of, of government that we have, but some of the words of Thomas Jefferson at one point where he talked that there should be a wall of separation between the church and the, the state. At the time, he, he was meaning that to say that the, uh, the state should not overtake the church and that there would not be a, a national religion that would oppress all other religions. Rather, even Jefferson wrote this because he wanted religion to flourish. One of the, the great kind of differences between us now and the founding of our country is that the founding of the country, it was taken for granted that religion is, is not only a good thing to be encouraged, but it's necessary. Read many of the founding fathers and they said, look, without people of faith, we, we can't expect our system of government even, even to work. George Washington, this government is for a religious people and it will not be suitable for for any other. And you think about that as we reflect on Isaiah and even the, the words of Jesus. Well, we can't make laws that force people to give some of their clothes to the naked or to open soup kitchens to, to feed the hungry. If, if the government had to provide for all those things, it just couldn't happen. In fact, we know that socialism, a system of government that says the government will provide all these things, leads to totalitarianism, communism, and poverty and suffering. The reason that our system of government works is because it, it depends upon people doing more than just what the law requires. It means that we're going to be good followers of Jesus by acting a certain way towards each other and even our brothers and sisters that we would recognize are maybe not in full communion with the church or even have no faith at all. That's the context today when Jesus says really to us in the gospel, that your identity then as people of religion, your identity as what, what role should the, the church play in the, the secular world? Well, salt and light. Now, those are, are two kind of interesting examples for us today, but particularly salt we don't think a whole lot about. There's even kind of a, a war, I suppose, on salt today, the idea that you know, salt is not good for you. High blood pressure and all that. The, uh, the assault on salt, I guess. So we maybe have a negative connotation of salt. But at the time of Jesus, salt was a very, very good thing. Without salt, all your food would spoil. Or without salt, it would at least taste very bad. So notice that salt was meant to take what's there, good meat or whatever, and preserve it and enhance it. So that's our first image that Jesus says. You want to know what the Christians should be in the secular world? Well, look at salt. We should, you know, be in the world, and we should enhance it. We should give it flavor, spice it up a little bit. Okay, so in that sense, we can see that the role of the church is not to overtake the world. We're not here to replace the systems of government. We're not here to make the whole world the church, there is a, a necessary kind of distinction, but notice we should make a difference. 
the world should be different because Christians are in it, and it, it ought to be a little better. It ought to be a little more spicy, a little more flavorable. People ought to be able to say, you know, you can't quite put your finger on it, but those Christians, boy, we're glad they're here. They make a difference, like salt does. So I think particularly today, a role of Christianity in our increasingly pagan secular world is to find those good things that are there. Notice it's not the church versus the world. We can, we can run into the temptation to say, with all that's going on in the world, it's, it's just bad. It's ridiculous, and let's, let's separate ourselves off and go make our own little pockets of safety where we will be happy living as Christians and let the world literally go to hell in a handbasket. Okay, that's not what Jesus is saying. Notice he's saying, no, no, no. Not that the world's bad. Without you, it's in danger of going bad, but be, be in the world like like salt. Help preserve the good that's there. Season it a little bit. Make it better. So salt, that, that first great image. But then secondly, and, and perhaps this is the one that more readily appeals to our mind, and that is to be light. Now, notice that light in darkness is the image given us in the psalm today. And we, we often think, well, well, that would be a good thing. I mean, especially in the dark, that's when the the light is really needed and when it's really visible. I mean, if I go out after church tonight and shine my little iPhone flashlight around, well, people would think I'm stupid. Father Sean, we don't need a flashlight. The the sun is still up and and you wouldn't even be able to see it. It doesn't do much good to shine a, a flashlight in bright light. But when it's dark... When things are especially spiritually dark, now we need the light. Now especially we need Christians to be Christians. If the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, if it looks like all is lost and depressed, okay, be light. And and the fact that you would be light in that darkness, your light is going to shine all the brighter because the darkness is very dark. That's the role of the the Christian in the world. Now, why don't we do that? Here's the the little trick about the image that Jesus gives about the city set on a a hill or a a mountain cannot be hidden. When we hear that, we we tend to think of like a a tall, pointy hill, uh, a mountain, and you you could look up on top of the mountain and there's the city and look at it up there on that, that mountain. Okay, that, that might be our image, but I was, I was just in the Holy Land. I, I was over there for 11 days with a pilgrimage group from St. Michael's and School of Faith. And that would have been the environment that Jesus would have been in. And he would have spoken these words probably up around the Sea of Galilee, right where we were staying. And I always like it at night, if you're, if you're staying on the Sea of Galilee, the... Uh, the whole area around it is, is undeveloped. It remains fairly pristine, except for one big city, the city of Tiberias. And especially at night, if you look out at this city, it's literally a city on a hill, but not a, a city on top of a hill like we would think, but it's built on the side of the hill. So it starts from sea level and goes up in little terraces all the way up the hill, so at night, you just see all these little lights on the, the hillside. That, 
I offer you is the image that I think Jesus has in mind when he says a city on a, a hill cannot be hidden. Now, why, why don't we want to be a city on a hill? Because here's the thing. Yes, a, a city on the hill can be seen, and today I can look at the city of Tiberias and I admire it and say, look at that city. But there, there are walls around that city, and there would have been walls around ancient cities in the time of Jesus, because the, the truth is, if, if you're a city on a hill, if your light is shining before everybody, well, it's also dangerous. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, Jesus says. That means a city on a hill is vulnerable. A city built underground that is hidden is well protected. And it's well protected because nobody knows it's there and everybody just leaves it alone because it's underground and hidden. But a city on a hill is visible and dangerous because everybody knows where that's at. That's why the, the cities that were, were built in the ancient world are often cities that have been destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and rebuilt over and over. It's true of Jerusalem. It's true of most of the cities in the Middle East. The oldest city, Jericho, has been destroyed and rebuilt like 20 times. That, I, I think, is why we don't want to be a city on a hill. That's why we don't let our little light shine in, in the darkness because we're afraid of getting our head chopped off. We're afraid that if we let our light shine, that uh, the world will not be so receptive and will attack us. You know, I thought about this the other day. I was over at the rectory and um, I'm sitting in my bed and there is clearly some animal running over my head in the attic. You know, there's like little scratching. It's been going on for quite a while. Uh, I'm like, all right, it's either the beginning of the movie The Exorcist where there's like clawing and scratching in your attic. I hope that wasn't it. I think it's a squirrel uh, that somehow a vent is up there. But I, I decided I was going to go take a look. And so I, I put my little ladder up to the opening in the attic and I, I lit my little iPhone flashlight because that's what you do. And as I peeked back the door and I stuck my little light up there, I, I was immediately conscious of being very vulnerable. Like, okay, maybe this is a squirrel. Maybe it's a rabid possum or, a, I don't know, a raccoon. Maybe it's a mountain lion. I don't know. But there I was with my little head poked up into the attic with my little light. And I'm thinking, this is actually kind of dumb. If, if I'm an animal, I'm pretty much saying, here I am, come attack me with my little flashlight and my little head. And I wondered if a squirrel is going to jump on top of me and attack me. Because that's what my little light I thought was doing in the darkness. None of us want to be attacked by a rabid squirrel. And I think that's a little bit why we're so shy sometimes about our faith. Because the, the world is becoming increasingly less Christian, more hostile, and, and we don't want to stick our little light up there for fear that a rabid squirrel will jump on top of us, basically. You know, I, I think Jesus then today is telling us, no, courage, <laughs> I know, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, an iPhone in a dark attic is a, a target for a squirrel. That's us. And Jesus says, I know, I know, but do it anyway. Isaiah is, is, is saying, we need our identity. So take care of people. If there's one thing to take away from this homily, it's that being a Christian means not so much a way of thinking, 
but it means doing stuff. We should be visible. And yes, that makes us a target. But it also means, as our psalmist says, we are a light in darkness for the upright. Meaning just as there are people waiting to attack that light, there are also people sitting in the darkness saying, I am tired of the darkness. Isaiah talks about a wound. It's like your wound will be quickly healed. If we look at society and we think it's wounded, it's broken, okay, our readings today give us the answer. You, you go out and shine. Me, I, I, I don't want to stick my neck out there. You know, that's theoretically what we're all about then as a community of Christians, that it's not one person sticking their neck out, it's all of us. And we have community when we take care of each other and everybody else in our community. So today, maybe think about what role your family has in your community. Does your family stick out? It's like, oh, they're the, they're the Christian ones. You know, what, what role does our community of St. Patrick's have in Wyandotte County? Does it stick out as a place that people could come, that people know there's something special here? If someone said, go seek out the church, would they even know where to go? Would they, would they come here? I think we're doing good. I think there's a lot of things we do well. But I think if we're honest and we look at our, our families, if we look at our church, there are probably some ways that we could do better and maybe our light needs to shine a little bit brighter. So if you've maybe got a little bushel basket over your light, hear the words of Jesus then. City set on the hill cannot be hidden just so your light must shine before others. If you do that, yeah, you'll be attacked, sure. But people in darkness will see your light and they will want it. And although you might be attacked, you might just be surprised to see how many people will follow your little light. So let your little light shine and see what God will do with your light. He might just bring people to your light who currently are in darkness.